You're listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by RICO, your local guide for all things real estate investing in Colorado. What's up, Denver? Chris Lopez here, and I have a great guest in the studio today. He is a firefighter turned real estate investor who is now financially free due to real estate. And he's on a mission to go out there and help other firefighters and first responders get into real estate investing so they can take care of themselves and their family. Paul DeSalvo, welcome to the podcast studio. Thank you, Chris. Uh, very honored to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Oh, I'm, I'm pumped. We got yeah, connected on a, a few months ago, you know, through through real estate investing uh, yeah. connections as usual. And then we've just been talking a lot, been talking frequently. And the more we've gotten to like hear your story and then hear your passion for not just like investing in real estate, but your passion for like teaching and educating and helping others execute. Like it really got me excited. So I want to get you on the podcast so you can share the story. Cause as you know, like, you know, uh, being a first responder, being a firefighter, uh, and just in general for a lot of people, like getting into real estate investing is powerful but it's also hard. It's also scary, especially when you're at that, you know, the starting point or you're at zero, or sometimes you're at a negative number. Like, you know, we've all had our ups and downs. And so we're going to dive in some details about uh, your background, how you built your portfolio and your vision for helping other people, not just in Colorado, but you got some bigger aspirations for going national as well in uh, helping fellow firefighters. Absolutely. So glad to have you here, Paul. So let's just kind of start off with, uh, you know, who you are and where you started. So rewind the clock a little bit. Tell us about who you are. Okay. Well, um, I grew up in a really small town. Um, my parents were in real estate. It was Mammoth Lakes, California small ski resort town. I had, I think my uh, high school graduating class was 40 people. So uh, everybody knew everybody in that town. And my parents uh, did a lot of real estate. And I was just too dumb and naive to know what they were doing and really understand it and learn from it. I just knew they were doing a lot of real estate management, condos. Um, so I grew up in it and I was learning stuff uh, subconsciously. And I, I look back on it now and I, I, I did learn a lot from my parents. So um, growing up in that, I immediately got out of the small town and wanted to head south to um, Southern California. So I went down there and started college for a couple of years and found that uh, EMS uh, was my passion. I really wanted to become a firefighter. I started, um, you know, just volunteering where I could. I got on an ambulance service and I'm like, I got to work towards this uh, firefighter job. And uh, I went to paramedic school just to better myself, to uh, make myself more attractive to the fire departments. And then I put myself through an academy. I was testing out in California for years and I'm like, you know what? I got to get out of here. It's too much. There's tens of thousands of people I'm testing against, big departments. I'm going to Colorado. So I came out to Colorado and immediately volunteered for a fire department and an ambulance service, volunteered for a couple of years and was testing. And I got hired on um, Littleton Fire Department and um, my uh, first day was April 1999. And for your audience, that may sound a little bit familiar to some people that was Columbine. So my first day was Columbine. Jeez. And, um, you know, I worked in Los Angeles as a paramedic. And the reason I left there, one of the big changes was the riots. I was there for the riots in 91, 92, I think it was uh, the Rodney King riots. I'm like, I can't take this anymore. The crime and headed out to uh, Colorado. And of course, my first day is Columbine. But anyways, I had a great career. I just had a horrible anniversary date uh, to celebrate. So 
while I was on the department, um, we'd sit around the table and talk a lot. And uh, we'd talk about, you know, everyone's little side jobs and what they had going on. And uh, one of the big discussions was always real estate. And I was always really interested in that, just coming my background with my parents. Like guys just at the shop were, were talking real estate, just yeah, yeah, investing, just, buying I, homes. There's some or... guys just buying homes, having some rentals, or they inherited something and they're fixing it up and they're going to flip it or they're going to rent it out. And listening to their experiences, both good and bad people, you know, had some bad experiences and some good stuff. And I was like, wow, I want to get into that. So I went and got my real estate license in, I think it was 2001 around that time um, and worked for Keller Williams for a couple of years. And I started my own brokerage after that. And I really got into real estate and became um, a preferred agent advisor to a lot of the people on the department. So my business was strictly uh, referral based. So I was getting a lot of business. I wasn't doing any marketing. Um, I also uh, became the sec the secretary treasurer of my union about the same time. So I was really involved in helping people, and that was my passion. I loved being able to do outside work for people that were looking to sell or buy a house or do an investment. But I was also internally involved um, with helping people get better benefits, um, salaries, uh, better workplace, uh, helping them through discipline. So really. Um, you know, solving people's problems was what I was really good at. I found out and I'm like, wow, this is something I want to pursue even more. And so this was a realization you had as you, uh, as your career began as a firefighter, yes. like that, that, that yeah. next iteration of just helping people. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it really blended in. I was, you know, a paramedic, which I really enjoyed. It was the, um, working with a team that was really uh, what was great about the fire department. I think anybody you talk to that the fire on the fire department is the esprit de corps is that just that camaraderie, um, working with a team, uh, I worked really good in that environment and, um, found I could lead in some of those areas, especially, um, being on the association, um, was helping people and leading that way. So that was one of my passions. And I knew, um, that's where I was in the right place. And, um, just helping people with real estate and their problems on the department and improving benefits. So it all carried all over into, you know, my, my next big step was into real estate. Uh, my wife, um, who was also a firefighter, she had inherited a couple of properties um, about 2005. And so these, her parents were real estate investors too. No. Well, yeah, kind of a little bit. Or more dad, like accidental yeah. type. Yes. Kind of accidental. They uh, really just, you know, had bought a couple of houses and moved out of them and ended up renting them out, didn't have to sell them. Um, so her dad acquired a couple of properties and um, they were in here, we inherited them and they were just disasters. They were run down. Colorado or back in California? Uh, back in here in Colorado. Okay. Uh, yeah, right up in the Highlands Berkeley area. Um, so at that time it was, no one was even thinking that area. <laughs> a little different <laughs> was, than it is now? Yeah, absolutely. No one was thinking that area. My wife grew up in that area and you know she was like, oh, I'm never gonna live there. Um, so, you know, we inherited these properties and we're like, oh, geez, and we got renters in there. And so we learned how to, you know, we're like, what do we do with these? And so I started reading about rentals and how to take care of leases and how that all worked. So I fell into it. I kind of had a background in it from growing up. I understood it a little bit and, um, I figured out, wow, this is something I really enjoy doing. So we fixed those properties up. We increased the rents on them. And then one of the properties we ended up scraping and building a duplex on up in Berkeley Highlands. And uh, we ended up renting that out to a bunch of Regis students and it was a disaster. They destroyed the place. 
brand new place. And so I was really hands-on and I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. I was getting up at night and, you know, furnished the, it was brand new and the furnaces were going out on on New Year's Eve and, um, you know, a year apart from each other. And then they were destroying it there. Everything was breaking. And I'm like, this is not what I want to do. So we ended up um, selling that. And I was like, what else, else is it that, you know, I want to do? I know my parents own some commercial real estate. I wonder if I could do that. And I started reading books and educating myself and uh, really getting into that and diving into it. And I figured out this so, is what I want to do. Okay. So what's the time on there? So you inherited those properties. Was it mid 2000s yeah it was, so it was 2000 and around 2005 okay so yeah. 2005 and then over like the next like couple of years were you self-managing fixing up scraping the duplex yeah. like you you went through a lot there quickly is that a yeah. couple years of like yeah so that was a couple of years um okay wasn't too long it was about well then 2008 obviously hit and um it was uh you know, we we're like, okay, hold back. Everything's falling apart. What are we going to do? So I sat back and we just managed those rentals for a while. We were doing fine during that time. We didn't lose anything, but um, we were obviously scared about what was in the future. And you weren't actively buying anything as an no. investor. You were still just managing, no, just fixing managing, up. And yeah. okay. Yep. And I wasn't sure what we were going to do. So during that downturn, I just started educating myself. Um, I was still doing, I was doing a lot of um, short sales for people, helping them through that process. So I learned how to do that. And there was guys on the department that were found themselves in a really bad situation. Yep. And it was really a, a good opportunity for me to help others. And it felt good. And I, I got a lot of people through some sales that they were in some trouble and ended up saving their houses. So that felt really good. And um so I just kept reading and uh, I was finally time. I'm like, you know what? I think it's time to invest in some apartment buildings. But the the big the big swing was convincing my wife. Cause she, so what what year was this? This was about 2010. Okay. Right after the, you know, huge financial crisis. And, um, you know, everyone's losing their houses and I'm here wanting to buy buildings after everybody just lost their shirts. And my wife is not very excited about it. So... I'm like, you know what? I read this book and the first chapter, the first half of it was about um, learning how to get over risk adversity is coming, overcoming that fear and um, just taking those steps to get over it. And so it really um, struck something with me. And I'm like, cause I had fear. I was worried. I'm like, I didn't think I could do this. I was just reading about it. Um, and so I was sitting down talking to my wife and um, she was like, okay, well, <laughs> maybe we should talk to somebody about this. And I'm like, yes, I found the best person I could that in the market, um, a commercial real estate broker. And that's kind of what the book said is like, find your best team that you can to work with. I wanted people smarter, smarter than me. Um, and that's what I did. Yeah. People smarter. Yes. With more experience, better resources. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And do you remember what the book was? Um, it was called commercial real estate investing 101. Okay. And uh, Dave Lindahl uh, is his name, was the author. And the first half of the book would just struck something with me. So it's funny because I handed that book out to a lot of people. I'm like, all you have to do is read that first chapter, the first couple chapters, and it's going to strike something with you because it struck something with me is it taught me how to get over my fear and how you get over that fear. What are the strategies to do that? And is to surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. And that helped out a ton. So their biggest, they're, I'm asking this too, because I'm mean like, what you're going through is very relatable. 
um, you know, from like, you know, you know, from years of teaching, you know, for every hundred people that come into a class or through a webinar or discussion, you know, single digits actually go out there and, and go out there and buy a rental property or, or buy some type of real estate asset. So it's, it's a very low conversion rate. And a lot of things has to do with, you know, fear and self-doubt and, you know, of course Absolutely. there's a bit of things in life. So like surround yourself with the right team. What other tips would you give? younger Paul 20 years ago and to other first responders listening for kind of that early stage like you were like you've got a lot of knowledge and like what would you advise them the big thing is just again that read as much as you can and educate yourself so you can you know then that curve that to learning um and understanding the lingo and what's going on the more you can put into your brain and get out of that that the better you are the sooner you can start doing that and then just start surrounding, go to meetups, um, talk to people that are investing. Um, that's what I did to some people on, on the department that were um, buying uh, rentals or currently had rentals. I just talked with them, loved talking about it. If I look back, it'd be, um, I would have gotten, uh, taken that step a lot more earlier and not uh, had as much fear because you really do not have to fear because you can mitigate so much of that risk in real estate just by having a little bit of knowledge and doing your due diligence. That's what I would pass on to everybody is that don't be scared because most of the risk you can mitigate through just knowledge um, and due yep. diligence um, is the thing I would pass on for sure. Great. All right. So 2010 ish time frame. Yes. Uh, I want to go out there and uh, start buying apartment buildings. You got hooked up with a great agent or a great broker on there. Yes. Uh, got your wife on board, obviously. Yes. Yeah. What, what was the next steps? Yeah. So the next steps were, um, to actually, uh, get a, get money. And so that's we were, helpful. <laughs> yes. So financing it and, uh, the agent that I had really helped us with that. And I didn't know anything about equity. I didn't know how to use it. And, uh, he's like, well, what do you guys have in your houses? And so we had our house and then we had the rentals. Um, and so we used the equity out of our house and one of the rentals, I think we came up with about $250,000. It was everything we had in our house and in our rentals. So, so your primary and a rental. Yeah. So about 250 just to like your yep. HELOC or cash out yep. refi. Yes. Okay. So equity cash and you leveraged up. Yep. Um, was that a scary process yeah. for you? Oh my gosh. Um, that scared the heck out of me and yeah. uh, even more in my wife. And she's like, what are you doing? Because we made a huge swing. It was like, we're going from a couple single families to apartment buildings. And, you know, it's 2010. Everyone just lost their shirts. What are we doing? This is crazy. So I just, you know, told her that we're going to make, we're going to be fine. We've got this great team. This guy knows what he's doing. Um, we sat down with him multiple times and he went through scenarios. He would put up apartment buildings and that got my wife, you know, she's a numbers girl. And she was like, oh, wow, this will cash flow. We'll be okay. So we made the leap and we bought our first apartment building. It was 11 uh, doors and it was a beautiful building off of uh, Colfax and Humboldt. Mm. And uh, it was our first building. We weren't cash flowing like crazy. Um, I felt really good about it. We were feeling good, but I still was having that, you know, like, mm, I'm not really sure of myself. And I don't know if this is the right thing we're doing, but we were cash flowing maybe a thousand bucks a month, maybe 2000. Um, wasn't huge. And then Matt came to us, uh, our agent and yeah. said, it's time year and a day. It's time to buy the next one. And I was like, what? Um, so we made a pretty good profit off the first building. And then we upped to a 22 unit, um, off of car in Lakewood. 
And now we had 22 doors. So you're talking about selling, taking it and doing 1031 exchange to roll the proceeds into a bigger and better rental, right? That, Yeah. yeah. Had no idea about a 1031. So you didn't know about this till Matt came to you and said, hey, yeah. it's, it's, it's been 366 I, days. You do, you're due, guys. I thought we were going to hold this thing for just, this was going to be it. We bought an apartment building. This is it. We're good. Um, no, you thought you're at the finish line. You're like, oh, wait. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> no, the mile no, marker. no dreams or aspirations to go any bigger. Because <laughs> I was already like, I can't, there's no way I'm going to be able to convince myself or my wife uh, to continue to buy property. Were you self-managing the 11 unit? No. So we uh, hired a management company, okay. which was all new to me too. So going through this process, I want people to know that I, I didn't know anything. I mean, I, yeah, I read some books, but I had no idea. My agent was talking about cap rate, IIR, cash on cash. I'm like, what the heck is that? Just show me my end of the month statement and I'm happy with it. If I'm cash flowing, that's good. If I'm bringing in some money at each month, then um, we were, we were doing good. And then the apartment, we raised our rents. Uh, the management company was uh, integral in that. I had to learn how to, it wasn't completely hands-off, but um, I was involved with my management company talking about, you know, how do we raise the rents? You know, when things break, how you handle that. Uh, boilers, uh, big experience with boilers. Um, yeah. So a lot of hands-on learning and it was a great experience. So I learned a ton on my first apartment building and we were off to the races uh, with multiple other buildings during that time. Um, and I want to, I want to kind of, I want to stay on this journey of you selling an 11 unit, then buying a 22 unit. And, you know, you're, it, it's such a powerful concept there of where you're taking, uh, you know, equity through increasing rents, market appreciation, some debt pay down, and you're taking the equity. We can sell the property, move the equity as a down payment on the next property. And then 1031 exchange for people to know about it as a way to like, defer those taxes. Yes. You don't have to pay taxes today on there. Correct. So it's very tax advantageous. If you guys want more details, obviously like reach out to us and walk you through that. But it's a very powerful real estate uh, investing concept, which very fortunately your your agent, Matt, walked you through it. Yes. And sounds like he really helped kind of get you through the door in the first one. Yep. Um, so 2011, 2012, you yeah. did this trade up. <clears throat> yeah. So we actually ended up buying, keeping the 22 unit. We bought another one off of uh, University, which was right across from um, DU. Uh, great investment. Great location. Yeah. Awesome. All these apartment buildings that I owned were um, Class C um, apartment buildings. Um, you know, they weren't totally beautiful, but they were great for students. Yep. Um, for people that were looking for a cheaper apartment, but a nice, a nice building to live in. So you learn to put students in older class C properties, not the brand yes, new place you build. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and having a management company, obviously it was, you know, I didn't have to deal with the tenants. And so that was nice compared to my duplex where I was dealing, getting up in the middle of the night and the management company did a great job for me. And, uh, we just held on to that one for about three years and then it was time to sell. So we sold car. And we ended up buying um, a retail center. Um, we went into retail. I was like, okay, apartment buildings have gone crazy for the last couple of years. You know, I don't see it going much higher. And this was, I think, 2015, 14, when the, it, was, it still continued to go crazy. Uh, hindsight, 2020, of course. Um, but I was like, okay, it just these apartment buildings are just going nuts. At some point, it's going to end. So I talked to Matt about retail, and I ended up buying a uh, retail center uh, off of 64th in Indiana. Why retail? Um, you know, that's a good question because I didn't know anything about that either. Um, I surrounded myself again with people that knew about it and they were like, this is the next step to do. 
Um, we think this is a great investment. Um, we'll, we'll walk you through it. You have a management company. Uh, we ended up doing it and then it turned out incredible. It was probably one of the best investments uh, I made. I thought it was, it was a cash cow, um, doing great. And um, I had to do some hands-on stuff, which I didn't know I was going to have to do, was dealing with the leases. Um, because for commercial leases, man, a lot of, not a lot of management companies will do um, leases um, on apartment building. So you have to handle that yourself with a lawyer, of course, um, and talk about terms uh, on that and learn how to negotiate with your tenants, um, which was a, a huge learning curve. What was it like working between with like, you know, residential tenants, someone just looking for a place to live versus a commercial tenant? So much more demanding in terms of uh, how you negotiate the contract because there's so many different for commercial. terms. Yeah, for commercial. Well, you know, obviously for an apartment building, you just negotiate how long you're going to be in here for, or basically, and what's the price going to be. Um, with commercial, there's all kinds of stuff involved in a commercial lease, which I don't want to dive into right now, but it's a lot more hands-on, a lot more negotiating, a lot more attorneys um, and making sure those are, and they're a lot more long-term. Those can yeah. go from anywhere from five to 10 years. Um, so those are much more long-term. So you want to make sure you have a really good lease. So it was a huge learning curve, but it was a, um, an incredible opportunity and a credible experience for me. So, um, you know, what we're 2015, 2016 timeframe right now in yeah. your story. And so you and your wife are still full-time firefighters yes. and this is your, your side hustle, right? Yes. So how was it balancing that? I also know you, you, you have a family, like talk about the reality of like balancing life and work and family. That was, it was challenging sometimes. And I'm also doing my real estate company as well. So I'm, I'm selling and buying properties for people too, during this time, but the, the properties that I own were extremely, you know, I, like I said, I had to do some hands-on, but for the most part, I was, um, it was pretty passive income. So we were cash flowing each month, um, busy doing our outside jobs. Uh, I was still doing my secretary treasurer work. I was doing my real estate. So I'm a very, I like to be busy and I like to have things going on constantly. Um, people thought I was crazy on the department. They're like, how the heck do you handle all of these things? So I was juggling a lot, but that's where I thrive at. And I love that. And I know a lot of firefighters out there are the same way. They're multitaskers and that's what I am. And, um, I know a lot of guys are like that, so that we have a lot of that in common. Um, all those guys have side hustles on the department. Is that a pretty common trait for firefighters? Absolutely. Multitasking is uh, almost a requirement. Um, so because you got to do so many different things when you're on a scene or, you know, there's just a lot of stuff going on. So have a multitasking mindset is uh, is huge in that industry. So that's what I loved. I loved being busy and having my hands on and um, yeah, you can do it. It's just I, I, I was every time I look back on what I did and. Uh, what I went through was all, there were some challenges. I, you know, made some mistakes and everybody out there, please, you know, be aware that you're going to make mistakes, but you just have to get back up and just keep going forward because that's just a learning experience. That's worth millions of dollars. Um, you're going to learn so much. I, I totally agree with you there. Now I want to give uh, some very tactical, uh, numbers here as well, because like, he'll get back up. Now, here's the reality, too. Like, you have a property. Hey, a tenant can destroy the place. Uh, you know, multiple things that happen. All of a sudden, you can be facing zero cash flow for months or twenty dollars to $30,000, $40,000 rehab cost. So I get it. You get back up. But, you know, one of the uh, the first rules of investing is don't lose your money or don't lose your asset. So how would you balance? And I'm sure your wife had a very detailed model. But like, hey, 
there's that mindset, hey, you fell down, get up. But you have to be able to withstand the financial punches. What type of cash reserves did you keep or what were your rules of thumb for that to, to take the market punches? Yeah, what was we were really fortunate. Obviously, my wife and I were, had full-time jobs. So um, it worked out really well because we didn't need the proceeds, the profits from uh, what we were making. So we were throwing that all into operating accounts. And so the, one of the things I read that was super important that you just said was making sure that you have the reserves to yes. handle anything that can go wrong. Think of the worst case scenario and think how much that would cost and save the money for that. I, I, I the way I preface with people is like, I, I used to be the DIY guy for projects at home and I don't do much more, but you know, I do that project at home and it always goes 4X over budget, 4X uh, over what I think it is. So when you plan for the worst case scenario, <laughs> I would say, okay, here's the worst case scenario, double it yes. and then plan for that. Absolutely. I mean, boilers in apartment building, especially class C buildings that you're buying, yeah. These boilers are limped along and you learn that you can't replace these things. You just got to limp them along and repair them, uh, find the best boiler repair person you can. And luckily we found that person and they were able to, you know, limp the boilers along. Then every apartment building that we owned, uh, it seemed to be a problem, but you're able to work through that. And as long as you plan for the worst case scenario, you guys, everyone's going to make it through. Great. Yeah. All right. So um, you're here, you got retail center what was your kind of next moves i know you i think you peaked around like what's 70 doors or so i might be i might be misquoting uh, yeah, that well, over the span so we were buying and selling all the time i think we had around 100 and a total of this whole scenario including the retail centers about 110 doors um but we peaked at a time where we had several apartment buildings retail center a second retail center um that i haven't even talked about yet but I was managing around 60 to 70 doors, um, uh, probably around 2017, I would say, 2016. Um, and then we started uh, selling off some assets and uh, we had brought that um, center down in Colorado Springs. I had sold an apartment building for that. And that was um, extremely hands-on. Um, it was a value-add type of retail center, right off of Academy and Dominion down in Colorado Springs. Um, held that during the during the pandemic. And so that was a challenge. All of a sudden we're like, oh my gosh, we're going to lose our shirts now. Um, so my wife and I really um, just kind of bootstrapped everything and just said, we're going to take care of the leases for everybody. Our management company kind of disappeared. So we, it was my wife and I. Um, you were the management company. We were the management company, probably during one of the most difficult times. Obviously, you know, a lot of people out there are aware of what <laughs> people went through. And we were the owners of this retail center watching some of our tenants go through some really hard times and having to make some really hard decisions. So my wife and I had the capital to help these people out. And so we decided to give them some loans um, and help them out. And we made it through the pandemic. And incredibly, these people were so grateful for what we did. They paid us all back. Um, yeah, this is, this this is amazing yes. uh, that you, you know, basically kind of did a, a personal loan. Yes. Um, and then everyone paid you back. Everyone paid us back. And to this day, we still have some promissory notes out there. We've long sold the retail center a couple of years ago, and they're still making payments to us just because, and, and each time they, they send, they just say, thank you on the, on the, on the check, um, I uh, love for saving that. them. So that was a great feeling, uh, to be able to be in control of that and help people through a really difficult time and make a difference in people's lives. Um, and so up to this point, like, um, 
2020 20-ish time frame. Yes. Uh, 2010-ish time frame, you took out the quarter million dollars in equity from your primary residence and a rental property. Was most of the capital using to buy these properties from an initial equity and then selling and trading up? Or did you guys pile in more money or like- Never had to pile in more money at all. So most was just from that original $250,000 equity nut that you, yep. you grew and obviously it sounded like you, from the proceeds and also from cash flow, so you kind of saved and reinvested, right? Yes. So you built this, this now, I mean, essentially a real estate empire mm -hmm. um, all through the initial equity from your primary and one of the rentals yep. you inherited from your wife's, uh, your wife's parents. $250,000 investment. And we never had to uh, go back into equity. We ended up actually paying off those equity loans um, through the money that we had saved. So we paid off those loans. And uh, for the 1031, the people that don't know, you have to go into an equal level or more um, yes. like kind property. So um, we never had to inject cash into our uh, deals that we made. That was all through the appreciation of the asset. Uh, we were able to... Um, provide the the once we sold the property, provide the down payment um, and and 1031 into these things and get a loan right away. Um, we got great relationships with banks. We were getting our loans approved in just a couple of days. They, that was one great thing about this team was we were going through a bank that you literally would look at the numbers and in less than a day, they would say, go ahead and buy it. It looks good to us. And so, wow. Yes. And so when a bank's telling you that, it's like, okay, we made the right move here. Yes. <laughs> so that was really cool. That's why I say, you know, surround yourself, build a relationship with these people, be honest, be professional, yes. um, be transparent uh, with everybody you meet. And that will come back tenfold on you because people will want to help people that, um, you know, they like and that are honest and approachable. So that's what I really held tight was um, building relationships. Um, kind of like with you, I was just, I reached out to you and, you know, it was great. I, you know, well, I, I think we, we and... initially chatted over a, a webinar Q and A thread yes. yeah. and then we grabbed coffee <laughs> yeah. a week later and then yeah. now we're doing a podcast together. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> so uh, 2020 timeframe, and I know you had a big life event. Um, where a lot of people in general, especially first responders can relate to, um, you have to take a medical retirement. Talk about that, because that's something that I know is a lot, you know, the back of a lot of people's minds. Uh, a lot of firefighters can relate to that. Um, you know, while I'm not in that field, I have my own, you know, I wake like at 2 a.m. worrying about what if horrible sneers happen to me. So I think people can relate to that. That unfortunately happened to you. Yes. Um, can you talk about that some? Um, how, you know, how are you able to, to pivot with your career, how real estate, uh, helped you, but also then we'll swing it back to how we can help other people, you know, hopefully mitigate if that ever happens to them. Yes. Yeah. So that was a big life event for me. Um, that came out, that came on, um, in, you know, no time it was, I was out training one day and all of a sudden I felt like. Uh, I was having a heart attack and I, we were in this building. I came out with chest pressure and I was like, what's going on? This is it. And like, it scared. felt like a heart yeah, attack. Ooh. I was squeezing in my chest and I know in our line of work, that's pretty common. Uh, people have a lot of heart attacks. And oh, really? Yes. It's very, very common. Um, it's just high stress work. You know, you, the alarm bells, the adrenaline that goes through your body. Uh, it's not good for your heart. <laughs> so it's very common and a very high uh, occurrence of um, heart problems in the fire service. 
So I, I never have guessed that. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a big problem. Okay, um, along with cancer, of course. But um, I think they kind of just from all the, I guess, yep, all the, the burning toxins. Yep, that makes surrounded sense Surrounded by stuff. Yes. So it's a very risky um, job, and so I I felt this pain came on, and uh, they we went through all kinds of testing. It wasn't my heart. I found out that I had crushed a couple of discs in my neck. And uh, there's about three of them. I had two surgeries uh, for disc replacement about a year apart. And uh, it was time. I, I was trying to get back on the job. I was trying to do what I could, but I was having some side effects from the surgeries. Um, a lot of numbness in my arms. So yeah. I was not able to go back to my job. So I left that job suddenly, unexpectedly. Um, I went through some really difficult times of reflection of what am I going to do? Um I went through some depression. Uh, I was, it was my, it was my second home. Yeah. I lost my family. Um, I lost the job that the two jobs I had as a firefighter and as a union representative, which I loved. I did that for 22 years. Um, I ended up getting a union hall for the firefighters. I just got that. Well, talk I, about, I want to talk about that deal too. Cause that, that was a really yeah. cool thing you did. That was awesome. Um, that was something that the firefighters had wanted for a long time. And I was saving money forever. We had combined all these departments um, that have, were saving as well, but they weren't saving specifically for an investment. So when we had this huge, huge account, I'm like, you guys, we need to invest in some real estate. Um, I have some experience with that. What do you guys think? We brought it to the body. They've all voted in favor. Let's go ahead and do it. We ended up buying this gutted office space right by um, off of Inver Inverness, right by the airport. Oh, yeah. And... Um, we, it was a gutted place, so I ended up buying it and got an architect. We remodeled it. We built some. I built some offices in there, along with a big meeting space. And I ended up renting up uh, those office spaces. Uh, one's to a bank. It's the Denver uh, Firefighters Credit Union. So they're in there as a satellite office. And then the sheriff's office is renting out another office. And then we have our own office and a conference room. And then we have our meetings there now. So that worked out really good. And that was right when I had got hurt. So it was kind of a project for me, kept my mind off of stuff. Um, so it kind of helped me heal a little bit, um, was helping out a little bit more before I had to leave. Um, and then shortly after that, uh, my, my job was over. And fortunately, I had this real estate that we've been talking about. And a lot of people, too many people, too many firefighters, I've experienced myself, I've had to hold their hand through the process and help them recover uh, after they've been injured. And it is tough because a lot of these guys just don't have anything. And whether it's because of age, because it's a tough job, no one is working as a 60 year old firefighter. Yeah. Um, so if they are, they're, you know, typically upstairs um, and out of the field. An office job, yes, right? Yeah, an office job. But once you get to 55, it starts getting a little scary for firefighters. And so we have to leave early and, Unfortunately, a lot of those guys get hurt, kind of like in my circumstances. Unexpected. I was, I didn't want to retire for a couple more years at least, uh, maybe even more, because uh, I felt like I was healthy enough to do it. And it's just all of a sudden, uh, this came up unexpectedly out of the blue, and thank God I had something to fall back on. And so that's what I really, you know, kind of wraps into the next thing was I really wanted to make sure firefighters, first responders, have a way to make sure that their retirement is secure. Do not just count on your 401k, 401a, because anything can happen with that. Um, it's not enough 
to support such a long retirement. Because if you're leaving at 55, you've got a long ways to go and you've got to make that retirement last. So you got to be really careful. So let's, uh, yeah, let's talk about that because like, I mean, kind of referencing back to like, you know, an earlier comment, hey, you get knocked down and you got knocked down hard in life, you know, professionally, emotionally, all that. You got knocked down hard. You got back up and you kind of have like, oh, for lack of better words, Paul 2.0 yes. um, coming out here where, hey, you are now a retired firefighter. Um, you've had some great successes as a real estate investor and especially like looking from outside in, you, you know, you've had tremendous success on there. And now that vision, the goal of, Hey, how can I go out there and help other firefighters? And I love what you, uh, what you've put together here. Um, I believe it, you're calling it fire on fire, yes. right? So yeah. yes. <laughs> Talk about this because like it is. First off, like an amazing name. I'm, yeah. I'm a little bit jealous as a marketer, but I love it. Yeah, I don't want to take all the credit for it. But um, so I was in this bad place and my wife's like, what are you going to do? Because I was just moping around the house. Um, I really didn't have any. And we had a couple of our rentals that I was kind of involved in. So I was focusing on that, just taking care of those. Um, but we had remodeled them all and there wasn't a lot of work that had to be done. So I'm like, well, what am I going to do? And, you know, well, real estate. I love real estate. So this conference came up and I ended up, I'm like, Hey, I talked to my wife about it. I really want to go to this and see what, if it makes any difference, if, if I can network with people and, and try to get on a different track. Um, I really love it. And I want to take it to the next level. I still want to do more with real estate. I think we can do more. And so I went to this conference and I'm talking to all kinds of people, telling my story. And, you know, that's when I first learned about imposter syndrome. Um, I was, I was really shy about telling my story. And I, I was around all these people that were like, oh my God, that is an incredible story. You went from a couple of rentals all the way up into commercial real estate with retail centers. And um, some of these people were just like, you need to do a podcast. You need to do this, 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 this. And one of the guys there said, fire and fire. And I'm like, what did you say? And I was like, that was, that's a great, <laughs> that's a great uh, theme for a podcast or a class. And uh, it just blends really well with what I'm doing. It takes the fire side of it and then the you know financial freedom through real estate. Um, so combine those and here we are. And uh, talking with you have totally inspired me to uh, move this thing forward. And I've got Jamin that's joined me too. And um, he is you know go-getter and he's excited about um, moving this forward. So I love having that energy with me. So Jamin is a fellow firefighter. Yes. Uh, but, uh, what a, kind of like a, uh, a younger, better looking version of you. Yeah, I think exactly. it's like Jamin described yes. earlier, yeah. right? The, the guy with the scene. <laughs> yeah. Yep. The, uh, personality is there. I can see it. Um, he's motivated. He's driven, excited, yeah. uh, wants to get to that next step, but just doesn't know how to do it. And, um, we've talked a ton and we've gone over stuff. So it's made him more excited. And I found out as I'm talking to people, they really get excited and, I was like, well, let's have a couple of classes. So Jamin and I held a couple of classes. Let's start educating some of the firefighters and see if they want to um, be involved in this. And we held a couple of classes. A couple of people showed up. The most, the biggest thing was people calling us going, hey, I can't make it, but I really ex am excited about learning about this stuff. How, when's your next class? When can we do this? And then Jamin and I were talking more. I'm like, wow, this is kind of maybe something we should There's get interaction here. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so I was, you know, networking around and listening to podcasts, especially yours. It was inspiring me on how to move forward and teach people how to invest in real estate. 
Um, you know, I think it was a year ago I started watching you and uh, watching all of your videos, watching every podcast I possibly can. And I was like, I need to get to know this guy a little bit better um, and, and network with him and see if there's something we can accomplish together. And so here we are at, you know, fire and fire time. We're putting a class together. Yeah. Um, so really excited about that. I can't wait to, to get it going um, real soon. Um, and we'll have a, a lot more details in the show notes. Of course, you know, all the latest details, uh, Paul and Jamin's contact details will be, you know, out there from a high level, you know, we're kind of going to teach some classes and then put some of those on to like a webinar format as well to get people, right. Hey, who are local, uh, and then people who can't make it live or, and we all know how timing and life goes. It's hard to be, uh, at the fire hall at the 2 PM, sometimes on Tuesday afternoon. But I want to I rewind this because, you know, uh, a lot of people listening to this, um, you know, fellow firefighters like, wow, that's a powerful story. That's amazing. I can't do what Paul did either from like their own self-disbelief. Um, also, the market is very different than it was 20 years ago, not just higher interest rates. But, you know, we all know Denver has, uh, I don't know, what, three or four X in prices since then, probably. Um so what would you say is people out there like, hey, I'm inspired by your story. I, I want to get into real estate investing for retirement or in case I have to you know, retire early for whatever reason. Um, is there an opportunity out there for people to still get in the real estate game? There absolutely is. There's always it's always the right time to buy real estate. Um, and, you know, listening to your podcast have really made assured me of that. And I know there's that fear out there for people like, oh God, the market is scary right now. And it is. Yeah. The interest rates are high. Prices are high. It doesn't make sense to go out and buy a rental, but there are very creative ways um, that you teach a lot of, um, which I've been reading your books and watching your podcasts and like, wow, this is a perfect thing for these firefighters to realize that there's an opportunity just waiting to be plucked out there for them. And they can do it very easily. As you just got to run the numbers. It's the whole thing about the due diligence. Mitigate your risk by getting some knowledge, doing your due diligence, running your numbers. And that's all you have to do. And if the deal doesn't pencil out for you, you go on to the next one and you just look. But the right time to buy real estate is right now um, or five years ago. <laughs> well, the right. best time is yesterday. The <laughs> yeah. next best time is today, right? Yeah, right. Um, because, you know, one of the things as we were uh, as we were just kind of getting to know each other, you you uh, described a scenario that's I think, pretty common for firefighters and just a lot of, you know, people in general where, hey, they they are working in Littleton or they're, uh, you know, they live they work in a very high price market. And you were sharing, hey, how a lot of these, you know, uh, firefighters, they're like, hey, I work here, but I can't afford to buy a place and live here. And that's a pretty common very much. issue that the. Uh, you guys run into right yeah and that's just a recent over the last probably you know five years it has become maybe just a little bit longer but the last five years it has become extremely difficult for these guys that are getting hired on the fire department to be able to live where they work and so we've got guys commuting and we work 48 hour shifts which is nice because if you live in grand junction or pueblo or fort collins it's okay you know you'd make that drive you're there are people commuting that far yes Lots. Oh, more, wow. I didn't know that was that extreme. Than, than ever. So all these guys that I'm seeing, they're coming on the department. They're like, yeah, I ended up buying a house down in Pueblo um, because that's the only place I could afford. They're making money. They have the ability to buy a house. Yeah. Um, they've got a great job. So they have the financing. They have the ability. They have the job background security to make these investments, but just not where they live. 
And so more and more, uh, you're starting to see these guys they are like, I'm not living anywhere where I'm working at, because especially in the South Denver area, there really isn't anywhere that's affordable for these guys. Um, well, so I mean, your are, timeline just, that's right. That's when the appreciation really just yes, almost went vertical. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, during the pandemic, who would have thought that prices were going to go crazy and it really drove a lot of people out of the, the market to be able to purchase a house. And so we've got guys anywhere from 30 to 60 guys coming in the department every year. And these guys all need housing. A lot of them are renting currently or living with other people. And they just need to be educated that there is a way for them to get a house, um, make a great investment, and help other people at the same time. Um, give them affordable rentals um, that they can live in by a, a room by room or a house hack. Um, that's the way to do it. And that's what I want to start teaching these guys is that there's a way to do this. And you can get a house and and keep growing that that empire as much as you want. Yeah, and like uh, I know there, you know, by the time this podcast comes out, there'll probably be a class or two, at least on the calendar. So, people out there, please go attend the class. But like, uh, you know, we're working on it. Numbers are legit. Like last time we met, we were I live in Highlands Ranch. James and Littleton. We're like, all right, let's pull up around houses yes. around this uh, this firehouse. We're like, pull up this for six or seven hundred thousand dollars. Here's yeah. the numbers, all this stuff, and like, um, the numbers work. Like they the do. math works. Like yes, it takes some extra work. There is some discomfort involved. Yes. Um, but the juice is worth the squeeze. Absolutely. Yeah. Because you're going to, you know, you've got the management side of it. So you're going to have to manage your room by room rentals and learn how to handle leases. But that's all easy. Once you start seeing what the benefits are and what you can get out of this and by building your wealth, it gets exciting. And that job does not become very hard. And like I said, these guys that are on the department that are multitaskers, they like the the risk, uh, most of them, as long as they can understand it, um, they, they take that leap. But this is easy for firefighters because they're multitaskers and they're able to um, overcome that risk adversity. And that's about it. Yeah. And so like definitely, you know, reach out to Paul, reach out to Jamin, come to this class because, hey, the numbers are laid out um, and not just like the numbers, not like, oh, here's what Paul did 20 years ago. Well, hey, great. That worked for you 20 years ago. It's not, hey, here's what here's what worked last month or, you know, in today's market based on current numbers, location. Um, there's all sorts of I don't want to say cr not creative financing is the wrong word, but there's all sorts of like really great financing uh, opportunities for owner occupants. There's right. some special financing options for uh, first responders. You just have all the details, you know, mapped out. You have the experience. You now have all the various team members and partners and lenders and all that stuff like lined up. So like huge, huge, huge resource. And one of the the things I mentally go through as I I'm the same way. Like I want to go out there and learn. I want to go out there and find people who are better than me and more experienced than me. Yeah. And I say this like mentally myself with like with love and respect. But it's like I want to use and abuse you. Yes. Like I want to use you. I want to abuse your knowledge in such a free, you know, obviously a friendly way, but that's how I I'm mentally okay think about it. it. And so that's what I'm telling people out there is like, come, come, come abuse these guys, come yeah. use them, like come get the knowledge. Like they're here, they're great. And they're, they're going to be top of the food chain as far as like what you'll have access to for these first responders. So, um, as far as for people wanting to learn about these classes, uh, probably just reach out directly to you right now for those yes. details while we're early on. Right. Yep. Yes. Cool. That'd be the best way. What other, because I've got a lot of notes here. Um, what other tips do you want to share with people? Actually, no. Sorry, I'm going to reword that question. I'm going to pause and rewind that. So knowing what you know now, if you go back and talk to Paul, 
I say 20 to 25 years ago, you know, younger Paul, right? Who's kind of getting to firefighting career, getting the real estate bug. What would be the biggest advice you give younger Paul? Buy real estate, (laughs) (laughs) get involved and uh, take that step, get over your risk, get over your fear and make the step because that is actually just the biggest part of investing is just take the step because that is more than half the battle. Um, obviously the other half is the financing, but that's easily done, especially on owner occupied. As you just said, there's tons of options out there is just do it and you will be successful. If you can take those steps and when you fall down, get back up again and, and just keep going forward. Uh, because if I could tell myself 20 years ago, I would just be like, start buying houses and start doing the house hack or, um, find some good rentals in areas and just keep multiplying that and, you will secure your future. You will have options. You will have the ability to leave your job when you want um, and comfortably. And you you won't be scared. You'll be able to make your own decisions. You won't be worried about your life or for yourself or your family. Um, you'll be able to provide. And so that's the exciting thing about it that I would tell everybody, these young guys coming on the department is do it any way you can. Make it work. That is great advice. Paul, thank you uh, for coming to the podcast. Thank you for reaching out a while ago. I'm glad we got to know each other. I'm excited for today. We're so close to the starting line still. We got so much more stuff to do. So people out there, uh, reach out to Paul, get plugged in. Uh, we'll be having some more content, some more updates from Paul and his team you know, on the, the fire and fire like concept on, on, that, on that niche, helping first responders out there. So Paul, thank you. Anyone out there, please reach out with questions, comments, uh, whatever it is. If you need me to play connector, reach out to me. I'll get you guys connected with Paul and Jamin. Uh, but reach out, as Paul said, take action. Yep, absolutely. Thank you, Chris, for the opportunity. It's great. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week.